0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. So we're in our Bibles, Genesis chapter 25, verse 19. I want to give you some background information before we read this. God chose a man named Abraham. Abraham married Sarah when they were very old, when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. They had a baby. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Isaac married Rebekah when he was 40 years old. And then Rebekah was childless as well. And then what happens is God opened Rebekah's womb and she's going to give birth to twins. And we're going to see that story of how Jacob, who God later will rename Israel, and then his twin brother in the womb named Esau. Now, when we see this story about the older, in the, in the biblical story, biblical account, the, you, the child that would, who would receive a double inheritance would be the oldest son. For example, let's just say I had a younger brother. And we, uh, uh, that's all we had. We had a. Uh, Two sons. Well, my parents would pass away, and then I would receive two thirds of the estate, and my younger brother would only receive one third. So, however many boys, you divide it up, and then you multiply, make sure the the oldest would receive the double portion. That was how the estate went. That's how giving went down, passed down the family line in the Bible. So, it's very it's a, it's a blessing to be the oldest son. You're getting double the share of all of your other brothers. The girls would receive nothing in the Bible. So that was, if you're wondering about that. So that's, that's how that's how we go along here. Verse 19. These are the family records of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took, as his wife Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. Men, do you pray for your wife? Are you praying for her struggles and her burden? If you have a husband and he pray is praying for you, you are a blessed wife. You are a blessed mother if you have family members praying for you. Isaac is praying for his wife. He's praying to the Lord. He knows she wants a baby. She wants a child and they're not able to conceive. So Isaac is going to the Lord on her behalf. The Lord was receptive to his prayer. Notice whose prayer was. It was Isaac's prayer who the Lord was receptive to. So God hears the husband's prayer. Lord, open my wife's womb. Help her be a mother. Help me be a father. So he's receptive to his prayer. And his wife, Rebecca, conceived. But the children inside her struggled with each other. And she said, and here's our question for this morning. Why is this happening to me? She doesn't get one child. She has twins. And the twins are fighting. Maybe you had a brother, and you would fight all the time. That's just what brothers do. You just fight constantly. You're just going at each other, especially if you're a twin brother. I'm just curious. Anybody here have a twin brother? Okay, I didn't see your hands. So no, we can't. Okay, well, maybe if you ever meet anybody with a twin brother, you, can, you just sit there, and, and I guess you would fight all the time. Well, these two right here, Jacob and Esau, they were such fighters, they were fighting in the womb. I mean, Rebecca is pregnant with these boys, and they're still beating each other up. And haven't even been born yet. I mean, that's just, they are just, you've just got your, your handful right here. Uh, and she asked the Lord, she's just wanting one child, and God's giving her two. And she asked the question to the Lord. Why is this happening to me? God, why is this? Why couldn't I just have one little boy and make him a sweet child and make everything easy and perfect? That was not the case. God rarely allows us to have things that are easy and perfect. It's just like life is a struggle. Everything you do, it just seems like there's just problems. You have to deal with this, deal with that. It's a brand new year, and many of you already have new struggles you're having to deal with. New problems arise. And that's what's happening here with Rebecca. It says here, so she went and inquired of the Lord. So she's asking God, God, I want to know, why why are these children fighting inside the womb? And the Lord said to her, so God actually answers Rebecca's question. He's going to give her an answer. These aren't just two boys inside you. Rebecca, God is doing something greater and you don't recognize it. You just see a fight going on. But these aren't two boys. These are two nations. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will come from you and be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. The nation of Edom in the Bible are called the Edomites. They would would be in the area of what we would consider uh, Jordan today. It would be southwest of the Dead Sea. These would be Arab people. And these are called the Edomites. They came from a man named Esau. Esau is the older son in Rebekah's womb here. The younger son is called Jacob. Jacob is renamed by the Lord israel that is god's chosen people and what god is saying these arab people inside of you and my chosen people the israelites these are two nations the arabs and the jews or the israelites before they became the jews and they're constantly fighting folks these folks are still fighting today the arabs and the Jews are fighting right now in the Middle East. That is not breaking news. And that will continue on. That is a prophecy right here. These are nations. These are peoples whom God's chosen people will constantly be struggling. God's also chosen peoples. Why, remember, why, are, why did God choose Israel? Why did God choose Jacob? The master plan of where we're going with this and the whole story of the Bible is for His Son Jesus had to come from a certain people and that's the Israelite people who became the Jewish people. So that's why He's chosen this people group for ultimately His Son Christ to come through. And they will constantly be at struggle. People struggle with Jesus today. There are many people Who cannot accept the claims of Jesus Christ. Because they know if they turn to the Lord, they will have to repent. They will have to to change the way they're living, change the way they believe, and start serving the Lord. Jesus Christ calls us, when we come to Him, to all of a sudden to be different. We're called out from this world. So that's what's happening here. These are these two nations. This is bigger than just two little boys inside the womb. When her time came to give birth, they, they were indeed twins in her womb. The first one came out red-looking. That means Esau was a redhead. He was covered with hair like a fur coat, and they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out grasping Esau's hill with his hand. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old. When they were born, Esau comes out of the womb, but this other boy has his hand holding his heel, saying, I'm not letting you. out. You might be coming out first, but I've got you. That's very significant. God is doing something here. What should have happened in the birth order is Esau, because he is the oldest son, he should have been the one that the Lord chose to go through uh, his it's the seed that ultimately will lead through to Jesus. But it wasn't Esau. God chose the younger son, Jacob, who came out second, who is the chosen one of the promise, whom ultimately Jesus is going to come from. Keep going here. This is what happens about the birthright. This is one of the stories. This will be the last scripture here we read this morning, this last section. And this will actually get into tomorrow's reading. You'll read this if you're reading along in your Bible these boys here, this is one of the things we have to guard ourselves with <clears throat> is when we are fatigued, we are tired, we find ourselves in a weakened state, and we make a foolish decision. Do you know, I was one time reading a, a, a news article about when people make poor decisions. You do know when it is? It's between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. Because apparently, at that time, that's one of the most dangerous times to actually drive, that's also the time when people fall asleep and they're getting tired and they will make compromising decisions in the middle of the afternoon. You're in the middle of the lunch, you're hungry, you've already been going three-fourths of the day and you think, you know what, it's 3.30 in the afternoon, who cares? That's a dangerous time for many of us is the middle of the afternoon. Well, Here is an example of probably Esau making one of those 3.30 in the afternoon decisions. And he regrets it. Yet God is doing something. Remember that story. Jacob is grasping the heel of Esau. And God is going to bring that to fruition right here. When the boys grew up, Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. But Jacob was a quiet man, who stayed at home? So let's look at the contrast here. Um, Esau, he's a hunter. That means the man lived outside. He worked with his hands. He was somebody who, when you when he was a child, if you called the house back when folks had just landline telephones, mother would answer the phone and say, "Oh, he's outside playing. He's outside shooting a bow and arrow. He's outside doing this and that. He's never home because he's just outside doing something." That's who he was. But then we had this other boy named Jacob, and he was a domesticated man. He vacuumed the house. He cleaned the toilets. He made sure everything else at the house. He made the beds. He did the laundry. He fed the dog. I'm describing my life, Sherry, right here. And just go about your house, just doing these things, taking care of the house. There's chores. You've got to cook dinner. You've got to do dishes. I mean, we've just got stuff we've got to do around the house. There's always a project. And there's no reason to talk about it because you don't need to ask if you need to vacuum. You don't need to ask if the clothes need to be folded. Just be a quiet man and do it. Of course the clothes need to be folded. Of course the bed needs to be made. This is just this life. Every day we do the same things over and over. And Jake, that was his life. Jacob was a domesticated man. So here he is just cooking, cleaning the house. And it says here, Isaac loved, and I want to tell you parents, this is why favoritism is dangerous. It's wrong to show favoritism. And it says here, Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So dad loves the outdoorsman Esau, and Rebekah, of course she loves Jacob. He's helping her at the house. You just turn to Jacob and he's right there to serve. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. So, of course, Jacob's at home cooking the dinner. Esau walks in after hunting. He said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff. This is my kind of guy. He doesn't even know the name of the food. Look at what's in that pot right there. I don't care what it is. That red stuff, I want it. has no idea what he's even eating. He's gonna eat some red stuff. <clears throat> so, because I'm exhausted, that is why he's also named Edom. That means red. So he ha- he eats he's eating the red stuff. He has red hair. He has a full head, he's, he's just a hairy red man. That's who that's who Esau is. Jacob replied, This is a shrewd man. You know, there, there come when someone's desperate. There's there's certain times only you can negotiate with people. This is what happened in the the House of Representatives this week, trying to elect a new Speaker of the House. When it's your turn to vote, when you have to vote, you can say, okay, I'm not going to vote for you until you give me what I want. So this is what Jacob's doing. He realizes, I've got the upper hand. You want some of this red stuff. You're exhausted. You're starving. So you know what I want from you? Give me your birthright, or sell me your birthright. Look, said Esau, I'm about to die. I don't think he was really about to die. He might have felt like he was about to die, but he probably wasn't about to die. Usually when you're that hungry, that's not how starvation occurs in the death. Usually it gets well, He was really hungry. I'm about to die, so what good is a birthright to me? He's willing to give up, trade away, his family inheritance. Folks, this is why in our life we protect what is sacred to us. You know that's why, you don't want, that's why young people growing up, you don't want to have sexual relations before you're married. You're protecting that. That's why you don't want to find yourself just going about throwing valuable things away. You protect what God has given you. And Esau has this birthright. He should not surrender. And he says, Jacob's negotiating. He's going to take it from him. He's a shrewd man. He's a domesticated, wise man. Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. He sold it to him. He gave it to him right there. Then Jacob gave him some bread and lentil stew. Mmm, lentil stew. He gave up his birthright for lentil stew and for some bread. All of the the wealth that his father had, he surrendered it just like that. Folks, that's what deception, that's what the devil does to us. We trade something of great value We trade our family, our marriage, our children for just nothing. You get nothing in return. He squandered it away for bread and lentil stew. He ate, drank, and he got up and he went away. Just like that. He was about to die. He eats his lentil stew and then he's fine. And then it says, you know, when you you lose something valuable, you no longer care about it. And that's when he said, Esau then despised his birthright. He thought, you know, I didn't care about that anyway. But secretly, he did. Of course he wanted his birthright. He had something that he did not want to give up. That was the fulfillment. That story there of what God was doing when this little boy Jacob was coming out of the womb, his birth, grasping his heel. And I think the story of what we're trying to see here is the question Rebecca asked, why God, why is this happening to me? And when we are faced with something and we're wondering why, I believe there's biblical principles we can take away this morning and say, this God is the why this occurred. And here they are. Number one, we were created by God for God. Our purpose is actually fulfilled in the Lord. We are actually restless until we find our rest, our hope in the Lord. God created you for Him. Folks, that's why we have so many people out there looking for all sorts of stuff in all the wrong places, and they don't realize it, but they were created for God. I shared this Wednesday night. Birds were not created to live underwater. Fish were not created to live in a tree. I mean, when you have a fish living in a tree and a bird underwater, they die. When you have people who are not living for the Lord, who have not found favor with God, who have not turned to the Lord, they are spiritually dead. And maybe you are here this morning. God's brought you here and you're wondering, what is my purpose? What's my plan? There it is. God is revealing to us, your plan is you're going to be restless until you discover the Lord. Number two, what what, what helps us with why when we ask deep why questions? We discover God through His Son, Jesus Christ. God has chosen Jacob with the purpose of the great seed ultimately to lead to Jesus. Israel is God's chosen people. But chosen But they rejected the Lord, but chosen also so that Jesus Christ comes through them. Jesus was Jewish. Our Jewish friends gave us two great things we should always be thankful for. Our Jewish friends gave us a Messiah, and they gave us the Scriptures. That's it. Those are the two things. So we're thankful for Israel. We're thankful for Jacob. We have a Messiah, and we have our Bible, because of that. they preserved the Word of God. They allowed Jesus to be born so we can be saved. Folks, that's how we discover the Lord through Jesus Christ. And thirdly and finally, we take this principle with us, God is preparing us for Him. That is true. God takes us, and we right now are in this time of Lord preparing us for heaven. Many of these questions that we are asked the Lord, say, Lord, why did this? Why is this happening to me? Why is this occurring? And the only answer we will ever receive, and we have to accept it, is I don't know. God will not allow us to know the answer. And the reason why we don't know is because we don't need to know. There's some things that the Lord, uh, is, we're not privy to receiving that information. Job struggled with this. Job went through difficult times and great suffering and loss. And many of us here, we identify with Job, where you've had so much taken from you. You had so many wonderful things earlier in life, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they're gone. And you have felt that pain. And Job 3.20 says, Job asked the question to the Lord. He says, why is light given to one burdened with grief? Meaning, God, why? Why did you give me this when I have been burdened with grief? You have allowed me to experience this grief. And the answer for many of us is we have to be able to confidently say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know why this is occurring. I can't explain it. I don't have all the answers. But Lord, what I do know, I take against the backdrop of Scripture. I take what has occurred and what I know and I line it up with the Bible. That is our only answer to what we have. That's why it's so important for us to know our Bibles because that helps give us guidance as we go through these type of challenges. So God is now preparing us for Him. We know ultimately we're going to stand in the presence of the Lord. We will give an account for our life. And while we do that, the Bible tells us we're to go about our life as a witness to Him. Think about all the lost people around us. All the people who do not know the Lord. They are restless, they are empty, and the only hope is what we offer. Folks, that's why we support such a wonderful church as Broadway. Our church points people and pushes people to the gospel. We're a gospel-driven church. One of the dangers of always going around asking God, why God, why did this occur? What are you doing? There is also a great danger in doing that. Because if you or I aren't careful, we can find ourselves accusatory towards God. God had to get on to Job. Going back to that story of Job. Job began accusing God of saying, Lord, why did you do this? Why did I have to endure all of this? Because I'm an innocent man. And the Bible says that God answered Job in the whirlwind. And he says, Where were you when I formed the world? Where were you when I made all the animals? Where were you, Job, when I formed you in your mother's womb? You answer me, Job, since you seem to know. And I think the danger for us. When we become accusatory towards the Lord, constantly saying, Why God? What are you doing? It can lead to spiritual confusion. And what I mean by spiritual confusion is where we just walk away and we start planting seeds of doubt about God. We trust, we fail to trust in His goodness. We confidently can tell people when they're going through great, great loss, battling cancer, dealing with family problems, All we can do is point them to the Lord and the specific questions is, I don't know. I don't know why. All I know is we are called to trust in the Lord. And until we get on the other side of earth and get to heaven, the Lord won't reveal us that. One of the reasons the Bible does tell us that we go through difficult days and dark times is because it forces our dependence upon the Lord. Maybe you are in a season beginning this new year, and you are just looking for more, looking for answers from God, and He's allowing you to go through this so you will become dependent upon Him. It forces Him, to, forces us to become more reliant on His word, to deepen our prayer life, to all of a sudden, the family members and the people we work with and the people maybe we live nearby who do not know Jesus. God places on our hearts we need to tell them how to be saved this morning I ask you do you know of someone who is right now asking why why is this happening I want to tell you if you know anybody who's in the hospital anybody who's very sick anybody who is dealt dealing with loss I promise you they're asking this question And the question you could turn turn to is just like here with Rebecca. She's going to the Lord and says, Lord, why is this happening to me? And God answers her and says, Rebecca, you don't see it. But there's something bigger going inside of your life because there's two nations. It's not just two little boys. There's two nations inside of you. And God is at work. And we also realize when we're going through challenging times, We ask God why. He gives us a similar answer that's likely going to be, you don't see it, Daniel. You don't see what I'm doing. But I am absolutely at work. There are no accidents with God. He is sovereign. He is in charge. He is our ruler. Things happen for a reason. But many times, no, 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 most of the time, we do not know those reasons. Now, we might look back later and see, what was God doing? What is God doing? And then the Lord allows that to be answered, allows that the prayer to come to fruition. This morning I ask you, you're struggling with why. And I'm here to tell you, based on the authority of the Word of God and what God has spoken with Rebecca, the answer to why is God is up to something and we don't always know why. In Rebecca's case, he gave the answer. Frequently in our case, we don't know. All we do is we become more dependent upon the Lord and we look for opportunities to become more like the Lord and to share the Lord with those who do not know Jesus. This morning I ask you, do you know Jesus? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? This new year, have you trusted in Him as your Savior? When you find yourselves asking, why God, what is this all about? We take hope and comfort. It says, Lord, I see you've chosen Rebecca, so ultimately her seed of Jacob, who became Israel, ultimately becomes my Savior, Jesus. That's why. So people can get saved. Rebecca was having the child that would ultimately lead to our Messiah. That's what God was doing. And God allows us to become more dependent upon Him, so we can turn to Lord so we can become more dependent upon that child that ultimately Rebecca would bear. I want to lead us in a prayer. God, I pray for us here this morning. There might be many of us here who are struggling with why. We don't know what you're doing. And Lord, I take hope in these Bible stories of great value that Rebecca points to us that many times in our life when we're struggling with what's going on, Lord, we turn and we look to You. Lord, I pray this invitation, as we're about to have, if there's anyone here, and there likely is, of someone who needs to be saved, someone who needs to call and cry out upon You, Lord, this new year, Lord, I pray they will do that. Jesus, we thank You for what You're doing in our church. We thank You for the many wonderful folks who serve and lead. But Lord, more importantly, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus, who came from, ultimately, Rebecca's womb when she was wondering what was going on. Lord, I just pray that this time would be our time of responding to You. Thank You for our church and this new year we give to You, the year of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have our invitation. I want to invite you. I prayed about getting saved. Some of you need to give your life to Christ. I'm going to be standing down front. If you want to get saved this morning, there is no better time than a new year to give your life to Jesus. Now, some of you need to join our wonderful church. This is a good Sunday, the first regular Sunday, outside January 1st, our first regular scheduled Sunday today, January 8th, to come and say, I want to be a part of a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. This is our time to respond to God. I'm going to be standing down front along with some of our other deacons And we respond to Jesus this morning. So let's stand up. David Dell is going to lead us in our song. I'll be ready now to respond for you. Sing, I have decided to follow Jesus.